Hello everyone. Welcome to this second MedTech Insight podcast looking at the basics of medical device regulation in the EU. My colleague Eliza Slaughter and I are going to be talking today about the main players in the MedTech sector and the basics of what MedTech manufacturers have to do to ensure compliance with the regulations. We're going to talk about the main EU organisations in MedTech regulation, the four MedTech risk classes, the main documents in MedTech regulation and five noteworthy areas where the regulations are tougher than the former directives. Eliza, would you like to kick off with your first question? Yes. So who are the main players in the MedTech sector? Can you tell me a bit about the relative role of the European Commission, competent authorities and notified bodies in the regulation of medtech products in the EU? Yes, well, starting with the European Commission, it's the Commission that oversees the drafting of the regulations. So, in other words, it played a key role in drafting the medical device regulation and the IVD regulation. It manages EU working groups which are involved now in the implementation of the new medical device and IVD regulations and its representatives are also part of joint action teams that audit and designate the notified bodies. These are the third party certification organisations that assess the conformity of the vast majority of medical devices under the MDR and the IVDR. And indeed, they did a similar role in the context of the previous uh, medical device directives. Also, the Commission has different units that are responsible for different areas of regulations. The unit responsible for medical device regulation resides in Directorate General Sante, which is responsible for health and food safety. Just to let you know, the Commission does not interface directly with manufacturers. Okay, Um, and what about the competent authorities and notified bodies? Okay, competent authorities is a term that means the national regulatory authorities, and in this case, for medical devices. They are responsible for the national implementation of the EU's medtech rules. They oversee clinical trials, market surveillance and vigilance, and they are the ones that are responsible for class one medical devices. These are the lower risk devices that don't need auditing by a third party certification organisation, although I should add that not all class one devices avoid the use of a notified body, but I'll come to that later. And then notified bodies, as I mentioned, they are responsible for auditing manufacturers and their products. And all but the lowest risk class one products must be audited by a notified body against the relevant sections of the applicable regulation, either the IVD regulation or the medical device regulation, 
The conformity assessment that they carry out usually involves an audit of the manufacturer's quality system and a review of the relevant technical documentation provided by the manufacturer in support of the safety and performance claims for the device. The involvement and the level involvement of the notified body will depend on the risk class of the device. And notified bodies are also expected to conduct surprise audits of manufacturers and suppliers' premises. Just as a background note, the MDR fully applied on the 26th of May 2021, and the IVDR is due to fully apply on the 26th of May 2022. There are, however, provisions for legacy products, those products that remain compliant with the former directives, but these only apply on certain conditions. Any new devices not previously CE marked under the directives must meet the requirements of the new regulations as of those dates I just mentioned. And also, just to be clear, there is generally insufficient capacity for auditing at notified bodies at, a, at present and predictions of bottlenecks as future deadlines come nearer. Wow, it sounds like a very complex area, but thank you for explaining it so clearly to me. What does the manufacturer actually have to do in this framework? The manufacturer essentially has to ensure their products are regulated as a medical device, clarify the intended use of their products and ensure that the correct risk classification for their product is applied. They have to ensure full compliance with the regulations and they have to document this. They are also responsible for choosing their own notified body, for making an application to that notified body, for responding to questions on the device's design and technical documentation, etc., when the notified body asks them questions. As mentioned earlier, the degree of involvement with their notified body is risk related. The next step is to obtain a conformity assessment certificate from the notified body. It's on the basis of that certificate that they affix the CE marking themselves. And this is a key difference between medical device regulations and pharma regulations, for example, in the EU, in that it is the manufacturer that makes this declaration of being in compliance and it is the manufacturer that places the CE marking on the product. After that, they need to keep the notified body updated as to any changes in their products or processes. And of course, to do that, they need to keep abreast of changes themselves and they have to update their processes accordingly. Okay, so which EU organisations support the implementation of the medical device regulations? Well, the Medical Device Coordination Group is perhaps the best known. This group comprises medtech experts from each of the member states who support the Commission in implementing the MDR and the IVDR. This is the organisation which produces the majority of the guidance documents to help with the implementation of the new regulations. And also there are many subgroups which meet generally two or three times a year and which specialise in given areas. 
for example, there's the Clinical Investigations and Evaluation Group. There's a group that focuses on the development of the UDMED medical device database. And there's a group specifically for IVDs, to name but a few. In addition to the Medical Device Coordination Group, there is another group which brings together the competent authorities to support the implementation of the new regulations. This is the Competent Authorities for Medical Devices Group, known as CAMD. Several years ago, it set up an MDR-IVDR implementation task force to facilitate collaboration and cooperation within the medical devices network during the implementation phase of the new regulations. This group's focus is more strategic, I would argue, whereas the role of the MDCG is essentially more practical. Another group that I think it's worth me bringing to your attention is the ISEN-SENELEC. This is the umbrella organisation responsible for drafting and harmonising standards in the EU. To be recognised as a harmonised standard, it must be demonstrated that a standard is a vehicle which enables manufacturers to comply with the general performance and safety requirements of the MDR or IVDR. SEN and SENELEC have many technical committees that work on specific standards. So far, not many standards have been harmonised in the context of the MDR and IVDR. But crucially, the Quality System Standard for Medical Devices, EN ISO 13485, has been, and so is the Risk Management Standard for Medical Devices, EN ISO 14971. There are additional bodies, there are expert panels and European reference laboratories, for example, which are an extra level of scrutiny on the higher risk medical devices and IVDs. But I'll explain more to you about those on another occasion. OK, and you said about the higher risk devices, but how many risk classes are there in the medical device and IVD regulations? There are essentially four in total. Class one is the lowest risk and most class one devices do not need the involvement of a notified body. The exception is those devices with a measuring function or those that are sterile, as well as reusable surgical instruments. Class 2A and class 2B are the middle risk class bands with class three devices, the highest risk. Those devices that were formerly regulated under the Active Implantable Medical Devices Directive are all in class three, but so are many other devices as well. And requirements for class three devices, and indeed for class two B devices, or many of them, have been considerably toughened during the transition from the directives to the new regulations. I understand that there are various documents aimed at assisting manufacturers to comply with the MDR and IVDR. So what are these and how do they play a role? Yes, there are several types of documents aside from the actual text of the MDR and IVDR, which help manufacturers and indeed other players, such as the notified bodies, implement the MDR and IVDR. The most talked about documents at present in the context of the new regulations are the guidance documents. 
there's been a huge proliferation of these and they are still being written in the context of the new regulations. They are intended to support the implementation of the MDR and IVDR. They're not legally binding though, and indeed they feature a disclaimer saying they do not represent the views of the European Commission. Nevertheless, they are used by manufacturers and indeed should be as they provide some very good guidance on how to follow the regulations. Also, some notified bodies are known to treat them in a similar way to regulations, although they shouldn't be doing this. It's important to know that there's a provision in the regulations for a series of implementing and delegating acts. This allows for additional flesh to be added to the basic, although already very comprehensive, MDR and IVDR. So far, for example, these implementing acts have covered reprocessing and the adoption of common specifications for high-risk IVDs, to name just a couple. I've already mentioned harmonised standards. These are voluntary, but give a presumption of conformity with the general performance and safety requirements of the new regulations or the essential requirements of the former directives. You have different types of standards. You have those that are horizontal, for example, the risk management standard, and then those that are vertical, which are often product specific or for a category of products. And then you have semi-horizontal in between, which might be for wide categories of products, for example. It's important to note that standards aren't in fact legally binding. They are voluntary, but if a manufacturer doesn't make use of a standard, they have to fully justify why not. And they have to use other measures to demonstrate conformity with these general performance and safety requirements or with the essential requirements. There are also common specifications. These are similar to standards, but they're more detailed. Again, they are in theory voluntary, but arguably they are quasi-mandatory. And that's because the technical detail that is provided is being given for devices that are high risk. And if there were to be a problem that saw a manufacturer end up in a, a court of law, they would have a tricky time trying to justify why they hadn't actually followed these common specifications. So the MDR and IVD are relatively new. I understand that they've resulted in tougher requirements when compared with the former medical device directives. Could you list five noteworthy areas where such changes have occurred? I think the one that I will highlight first is the strengthening of rules on clinical evidence for medical devices, because this is the area where the directives came under the most criticism. Also, there are stricter pre-market controls for high-risk devices via a new scrutiny mechanism with the involvement of EU experts, which has resulted in tightening up clinical evidence requirements. Then when it comes to notified bodies, there's the reinforcement of the designation and oversight processes for them meaning they are now governed by much stricter requirements. As a result, they in turn are now stricter in terms of their interaction with the manufacturers. 
also a key new structure that we're still awaiting in the context of the MDR and the IVDR is the UDMED medical device database and the reporting rules around it, which will improve transparency. However, this database is still not up and running. And the latest news is that the European Commission expects it to be fully ready by the second quarter of 2024. And finally, it's worth mentioning that there's going to be improved device traceability based on unique device identification. I think that sums up five of the noteworthy areas where there are tougher requirements in the MDR and the IVDR compared with the former directives. But of course, there's been a general tightening of requirements with the new regulations. Sounds like there's a lot of moving parts, but thank you for explaining it so well to me. Thank you for your questions, Eliza.